In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be. A year ago on this weekend, July 24th of 2022, I was serving liturgy in Elwood City at the Monastery of the Transfiguration. I spent the weekend there. And um, during the Monastery of the Transfiguration in Elwood City was founded by Princess Ileana, who was a Romanian princess who, during the time of the Communists, ended up fleeing the country. She ended up in America. She became a nun um, while she was in France before coming to this country. She had a vision to found and establish a women's monastery that would be pan-Orthodox, pan-ethnic, and an English-speaking monastery in this country. She wrote the reflections on the Our Father, the little white prayer book, which uh, I think many of you have seen. Um, And so uh, when Princess Ileana, Mother Alexandra, founded this monastery, of course, it being a women's monastery, they have to bring in priests to serve the liturgy. They do many reader services on their own during the week, but on Sundays and feast days, they have priests who come and serve. So a year ago, I was there, and the priest who was serving was a retired priest named Father John Stefaro. He's about 80, 81 years old, and he had been a priest for 54 years in the OCA. Uh, He had been retired for 13 years, so he had been retired longer than I've been a priest. And he invited me to serve the liturgy with him, and it was really beautiful. He serves very prayerfully, very powerfully, yet with humility. Um, he has a great voice, and he, he, he delivered just a wonderful sermon. But I noticed he had this, he just had this grace about him. Like, I just wanted to stand close to him and put my hands up real close. He's like a furnace of grace, you know? So, um, after the liturgy, I asked Father John uh, for a little advice for a young priest just starting out. And, um, and he told me three things. And the three things he told me are great advice, not only for a priest, but for us as Christians in general. And this is what I want to share with you today. Um, the advice from my friend, Father John Stefaro. He says, number one, preach the gospel. Number two, pray the liturgy. Number three, love your people. He said, Father Matthew, if you do these things, you'll be just fine as a priest. He said, you'll have a ministry in the Lord's vineyard that will be fruitful. And so, again, as I was thinking about it, these are things that we as Christians should be doing. This is, this is not advice just to a priest. Oh, only the priest should be doing those things. I don't have to do those things because I'm not a priest. Right? Eh, wrong. No, as Christians, we should all be preaching the gospel, we should be praying the liturgy, we should be loving our people. So, you can't preach the gospel though if you don't know the gospel. So really, let's back it up one step. Step one, know the gospel. Read the gospel. Reading the scriptures daily is vital to the Christian life. It's like being a patient in a hospital and having an IV in your arm. Right? 
keeps you hydrated, even if there's no medicine going through there. But if they need to get medicine into your system, if you have an IV right away, it goes in really quickly. If you don't have an IV, it's going to take a lot longer for the medicine to get through. So reading the scriptures is of vital importance to our Christian life. Vital importance. You know, St. Seraphim of Sarab was one of the most respected and revered saints of Russia in the last thousand years. He lived in the 1800s. Did you know that he and St. Herman were novices at the same monastery? Did you know that? St. Seraphim of Sarab was a priest who almost never, ever served the liturgy. All he did was hear confessions. That's why in his icons you'll see he's often wearing a cassock with a, with a stole, the priestly stole, but not full vestments because his job was to be a confessor. He had people lining up and they'd stand in line for days to meet with him. Days! And yet, this man who saw the glory of God, who spent a thousand nights on a rock in prayer, somebody who knew God intimately and personally, one of the holiest people the world has known in the last thousand years. If anybody didn't need to read the scriptures, it would be that man, right? Yet, he read the Gospel of Matthew on Mondays, the Gospel of Mark on Tuesdays, Gospel of Luke on Wednesdays, and the Gospel of John on Thursdays, and the rest of the New Testament the other three days. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is he holy because he read the Scriptures, or did he read the Scriptures because he was holy? It doesn't really matter. My point is, if St. Seraphim of Sarab needed the Scriptures, we need the Scriptures. So, read a chapter of the Gospels every day. Once you get to the end, start over and do it again. And if you do that, you'll go through the Gospels four times in a year. So read the Scriptures, know the Scriptures, and then preach the Gospel as is appropriate. Number two, you should pray the liturgy. Our corporate prayer is strengthened by our personal prayer. So we should pray as Christians. We know this, right? And oftentimes as priests, we hear in confession, Oh, Father, I'm not praying enough. And my question is always, what's enough? Well, I should pray without ceasing. Right. You're probably not going to do that. Yet. Why don't you pray for two minutes? Pray for five minutes. Why don't you start small? But we should pray as much as we're able. Elder Sophroni, Saint Sophroni of Essex, when his monastics would come and ask him for a prayer rule or a prayer discipline, he would say, do the best you can. Because if he told them something that was too easy for them, then they'd be leaving something on the table. If he told them something that was too hard for them, they'd become overwhelmed and despondent. Have you ever been inspired to pray and you've created for yourself a prayer discipline that's so long that after like three days you're like, ah, I'm too tired, forget it. it. Happens all the time, right? Start simple. Talk to your priests. Talk to your father confessor. But you need to pray. And not just at home, but also in the liturgy because Christ says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with him. Our corporate prayer refreshes our personal prayer and strengthens our personal prayer. And our personal prayer strengthens our corporate prayer too. But we should always, always 
set our calendars to be at the liturgy. Every Sunday, no questions asked, right? Every feast day, as much as we're able, we should be rearranging our schedule to be at the festal liturgies. And then the other corporate services are also very helpful. So when we come together in prayer, as a church, we stay focused and oriented on Christ. We always turn again to Christ. Why do we pray to the East? Because Christ is the Orient from on high. When we are properly oriented, that means our lives are pointed towards Christ. And throughout the week, we always slip away. Right? We always become distracted by other things. And we become disoriented. So we return to church and we reorient ourselves. Oh, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I had a retreat at my church in late April by Father Sergius, the abbot of St. Tikhon's Monastery. And he said, the way to pray is to return to yourself and then return to God. He said, it's helpful to take a few seconds to gather yourself. Take a few deep breaths, be quiet, return to yourself, and then return to God. So, we should preach the gospel. We should know the gospel and preach the gospel. We should pray the liturgy. And we should always remember that we come to the liturgy to receive the Lord's body and blood. But we come not just to receive, but also to give of ourselves. If you walk out the door saying, boy, I, I really don't feel like I got anything out of the service today, you're looking at it all wrong. You should be leaving exhausted because you're giving of yourself fully and completely. So we preach the gospel, we pray the liturgy, and all of that gives us the strength and the grace to love the people. Love the people. As St. Paul says at the beginning of Romans 15, we who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each one of us please his neighbor for that which is good for his edification. Let each one of us please his neighbor. That sounds an awful lot like love your neighbor. And when he says, we who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, he doesn't mean to put up with, to tolerate. He doesn't mean to tolerate. He means to come alongside and carry and help with. We don't just tolerate those who are weak. We don't just tolerate those who bother us. We try to help them as much as possible. As I like to remind my brother priest when we're together, like, and um, this was said a couple times on Tuesday night at the retirement party with all the priests from the area. It's like, we are supposed to be on the same team, are we not? So if we preach the gospel, if we pray the liturgy, and we can love the people around us, then who's going to stop us? Right? If we can do that, then our homes and our schools and our workplaces and our church will become a light on a hill that cannot be hidden. St. Paul says at the end of this epistle reading, Receive one another, even as Christ has also received you to the glory of God. So loving each other means being hospitable. 
Do you see somebody in need? Give what you have. You'll never regret being generous, I promise. Is there somebody who has a need that you can fill? Help them out. Is there somebody who's having a hard time that you're thinking about? You know that feeling you get when, when you're like, man, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. And you kind of have an op- like a choice, right? Like You can either take out your phone and reach out to them, or you can be like, ah, I'm sure they're fine. <laughs> well, why don't you say a prayer and reach out to them? People want to be remembered, especially if they're having a hard time. And there's a misconception in the church that if somebody's having a hard time, I should call my priest and tell him that so-and-so is having a hard time so he can take care of them. Well, that's not a terrible idea to start, but that's not where it should end. Because the last time I checked, the priest isn't the only person in the parish who can visit people, who can call people, who can bring them a meal, who can offer them a card. In my parish, the women of our parish have copied what the diocese does, the diocesan women, and that is we've started our own sunshine committee. So when somebody is having a hard time, maybe they're sick, maybe a loved one died, maybe there's an issue in their life, like we just reach out. There's a lady who does handwritten notes and says, hey, we're praying for you and whatever's going on, we love you and we're here for you. And it's really been a wonderful ministry. And, but a lot of people said, well, we have to tell Father first, and then he'll tell that person. I'm like, just tell the person. Like, just send a card. Like, I don't need to be the gatekeeper or the middleman. If somebody needs encouragement, give them encouragement. This is what St. Paul's talking about. Also, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, when he says, we are one body. This is what he talks about. When the body is sick, when one part of the body is sick, the body sends help from other parts to go help it out. White blood cells coming, right? If one part of the brain is damaged, the other parts compensate. Like, this is what we do in the church. But we can't do this of our own accord. We can only do this through Christ, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, says St. Paul. But that doesn't mean we just say, well, Jesus helped me and we go do it. We have to live the life and we have to sow the seeds of our spiritual life every single day. We have to read the scriptures. We have to pray. We have to really draw near to God. And if we do that and if we love our neighbors truly and completely as Christ has loved us, if we receive one another as Christ has received us, and all of our brokenness, and all of our ugliness, and all of our rottenness, if we can receive people that way, then we don't have to worry about everything else the world is doing. Who cares about politics if we have a church that is truly loving and Christ-like? All the other nonsense in life just fades away and becomes no big deal. Brothers and sisters, our calling is to be Christ-like, to be little Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. And if we are truly going to be Christian, 
If we are truly going to preach the gospel, we have to do these things every day. Every day. May God give us the strength to follow Him every day of our life. May God give us the discipline to overcome our lack of motivation. And may He give us the courage to truly be Christians and to truly be a light in the world even when it means possible persecution or ridicule or slander. Even when it means we might be in a little bit of danger. May He give us the courage and fortitude to follow through just as He did with all of the saints. And if we can do this, if we can be a light on the hill, not for our glory, not for the sake of simply growing our church membership so we can have a bigger budget. Who cares about that? If we can be a light on the hill and bring others to know God, then we can truly be good and faithful servants at the last judgment. May God grant this to us. May God grant this to us to truly live out the name of being a Christian so that we can praise and glorify the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be.